Hey guys, uh, just like Kay, such a good job. Uh, last week we started a conversation titled Run to the Father, and it's based off of our message we did on Revive Night, talking all about how, man, in this life, it doesn't matter what you think or where you come from, you're going to be formed into the image of your Father. You are going to become your Father, but the good news that like we talked about is, man, while you cannot choose your biological Father, you do get to choose who you are fathered by. And so the goal of our life as followers of Jesus is not just to be followers of Jesus, but it's, man, to be fathered by God, to allow God into our life to father us and lead us in every decision, ultimately to the best life possible. And, and so last week we talked about the father's vantage point in this story. And this week we're going to continue in the conversation, but we're going to start by doing what we've been doing the past couple of weeks, which is diving into the word of God. And the reason we do this, just to let you guys know, is especially in this stage of your life, there's probably going to be some area where you are lacking, whether it's joy, whether it's peace, whether it's uh, just what you used to experience with God, whether it's a person at home, whether it's a man for somebody I had a conversation with earlier, you're like, whatever it is, like there's something probably that you're lacking. And what we know to be true is that, man, in the word of God, God provides everything that we need. We just have to recognize it and receive it by faith. And so I want to challenge you guys in whatever you're going through in life right now, in any area that you're lacking, man, I want to challenge you guys to lean in and listen. Because I'm telling you, when you begin to listen to what God wants to say, not a man on a stage, but what God wants to say in you, I'm telling you, one word from God can change everything. So we're going to dive in, and we are going to continue the conversation of the prodigal or the lost son. It started in Luke 15, 11. Jesus continued. He said, man, there was a man. This man had two sons. The younger one said to his father, father, man, give me my share of the estate. Give me all of my money. And so he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all that he had. He set off for a distant country, and there he squandered his wealth in wild living. Y'all say wild living. Wild, wild yeah. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went, and he hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to the fields to feed pigs. This is, this is the worst part. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods. Don't know what the pod is. Ain't a vape pot. It's a pig pot. Anyways, that the pigs were eating, but no, but no one gave him anything. That's right. So stupid. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's servants have food to spare? And I'm out here in the pig pen starving to death. I know what I'll do. I'll set out and go back to my father and say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. Make me like one of your hired servants. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. So he got up, went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, was filled with compassion, ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father interrupted him and said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe, get a ring, put it on his finger, put sandals on his feet, bring the fattened calf, kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine, he was dead and he's alive again. He was lost and he has found, turned that frown upside down. It's time to party, find a clown. You know what I'm saying? Like he's going in, they're about to throw a party. So tonight we're gonna be talking about, you can title this conversation, the life of the party, or you can title it the way of the prodigal. We're gonna pray and dive in. God, thank you. Amen. We just thank you. That's what we do. We just thank you, God. I need to ask a real serious question. So the goal of this, you can start my timer, Miss Shelby, so I know when to, to shut up. Listen, um, I think a lot of times in the story, we can be like the son. How many of you guys honestly have ever uh, ran away from home? Like, not like, like, like be for real, bro, like actually ran away. Okay, all y'all holy. No, I was not, yeah. I cannot tell you how many times I ran away from my house growing up. My mom can tell you. 
And unlike the dude in the story, I did not run away because my dad gave me all of his money. A lot of times it's because he did not give me any money. There'd be so many times I would get so butthurt and mad at what my parents did to me that I would go in the pantry, grab a PB and J and some bread, pack it in my bag, go down, three doors down, and I got hungry and I got really cold and I just came back. You know what I'm saying? Like my runaway attempt did not, uh, did not end that well. And this is exactly what's happening in the story. This guy, he asked his father, he says, Dad, I want everything you have to give it to me. Give it to me and I'm going to go. And like we talked about last week, when he asked that, he was basically saying to his dad, Dad, I want your stuff, but I do not want you. Like we talked about in December, a lot of times, man, we want God's presence, but we don't want his presence. You know what I'm saying? We want what God can do for us, but we don't want to do anything for God. We want the feel-good moments, but we don't want to do anything that's going to cost us anything. This was the son. And so he runs away from the father's house, from his relationship with his father. And this is what happens in the story. Watch what happens right here in this verse. It says that not long after that, the verse came on the screen and I began to read it. He set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth and wild living. After he spent everything, there was a severe severe famine. I had some of that pot of the pig pen in my mouth. In the whole country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to be a citizen of the country to feed pigs. And he said that he longed to fill his stomach with what the pigs were eating, but yet nobody would give him anything. Basically what the son experienced is living life in his own way, he hit rock bottom. He was at a place in his life where he had ruined his whole entire life. He hit rock bottom. He had lost everything. And if you've ever been there, if you've ever had that moment where you feel like you've lost everything, where you've done something, you've experienced something that has left you completely empty, lonely, feeling numb inside, you know how lonely, how shameful that will feel. Like you understand how difficult that is. But see, what I understand, if I can be honest, a lot of times what we do, there's so many like things in between me and you guys. I'm going to move this other way. Like, typically what happens is it takes us ruining our life to finally run to God. You know what I'm saying? Like, like the Bible says that Jesus is the rock that we're supposed to build our life on, that he's the only steady foundation in our chaotic life. Sometimes it takes us hitting rock bottom to actually run to the rock. And I, I get so frustrated because I'm so tired of like, why does it that I have to ruin my life my reputation, my friends lose everything to finally gain God. And so, like, I've always wrestled with that, but what if there was a way that even at the moment that your life began to veer off track, there was something that helped you get back? Like, what if there was something, seriously, like, because you guys know, even when you begin to, to think about veering off this direction, and here, guys, we believe, man, that what God has for you through Jesus is the best life that you can imagine. Like, the joy, the peace, the fulfillment, the, the, the wholeness, it's not like anything you can imagine, but it's only found in running the race in his direction. But so many times there's going to be two directions that you're tempted to run. The way of the prodigal, which is, man, opting out for what God has to do what you want to do, or the way of the prideful, which is sometimes a whole lot worse, which we're going to talk about next week. But what if there was something in your life that the moment you began to get off track, it was something there real quick to help you get back? Uh, and see, like Josh talked about a couple Sundays ago, I I'm very directionally challenged, and for any directionally challenged people in the room, what is your best friend on your iPhone when you're driving? I mean, I call it a GPS. You can call it maps. Like, yeah, the GPS, bro. Like, my GPS with my blue arrow, it tells me where I'm going, how long to get there, and where I'm at. But how many of you, if you've ever used a GPS, you know what happens the moment you make a wrong turn? What do it do? The moment you veer off track, it says reroute, 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 and it gets me back on track. 
Like, imagine, bro, if you're on a two-hour road trip to Atlanta with, with me driving, or a three-hour road trip if Lex is driving to Atlanta, and you make a wrong turn, and you end up in Dothan, Alabama, and then it says, oh, by the way, you missed your turn. Like, that's what we do in our relationship with God, bro. It, like, we have to ruin our life, completely miss our destination completely for us to run back. But you need to know that because of Jesus, because of his life, death, and resurrection, and because of the fact that Holy Spirit lives in you, that God loves you so much, bro, that the moment that you even think about going off track, even if you don't want to, even if you do, he says, go back. Like the moment that you think about it, he says, go back. Not because it's just the right way to live. It's the only way to live. This is going to end in destruction for you. This is going to end in pain for you. If you send that picture, if you drink that thing, I know how this ends. You've been here before. You remember last time when you begged me to set you free from the thing you're running to now? Like, go back. Here's the thing about God. What's amazing about God is that God will always give you the reroute, but he will always give you the responsibility to change your route. Like God is not going to force you to live his way. That's not love. That's abuse and slavery. God is not going to say, live right. He's going to say, this is the right way to live. It's up to you. Because here's what happens. A lot of times, like when, to speak metaphorically, we can sneak out of God's house over and over and over again. But one day what he's going to do is he's going to open the front door for you and say, if you want to go, you can go. And many of us, it takes us walking out on God and ruining our life to realize that he was actually the only life we ever had. It's like he's offering us all this help, and we don't want it until we need it. It's like, if y'all have ever seen the movie uh, Pursuit of Happiness, it's a great movie. The, the son in the movie, he tells his dad, Will Smith, a story. He's like, Dad, you know about God? He's like, yeah, Dad, son, I, I do. He's like, well, I heard a story about God. It was kind of confusing. And he was like, this guy, he was drowning. He's drowning in the ocean. And he said, God, save me. Save me. And out of nowhere, he's praying, and this boat comes by. And the man in the boat's like, dude, you're drowning. I can help you. He's like, no, I'm good. God will save me. God, save me. Another boat comes by, a big old Titanic ship before it crashed. Here, man, you're drowning. Let me help you. I got a raft. I got a boat. I got some food, some ramen. When it's cooked, it ain't even the hard brick kind. He's like, no, I'm good, man. God's going to save me. Help me, God. And then he dies. He gets to heaven, he talks to God, God, why didn't you help me? God's like, I sent you two boats, you big dummy. You got to watch the movie, it's funnier when a cute little kid says it. But it's like, guys, do you know how often God tries to help us? And then we get to the end of our life, we ask God, where were you? He's right here. Like, God lives in you. He don't live out there. He's, he does, but he's in here. So it's not going to come as some, don't sin. It comes from within. He says, hey, don't do that, man. I can't remember last time. Don't. And so it's up to us to recognize and respond to the reroute that he gives us freely. But it's also our responsibility to change our route. Because if we don't, even with God trying to help us, we'll still hurt ourselves. And so the question for every single one of us is like, why don't we run back? You know what I'm saying? Because if you know in the story what happened, look at what this verse says. It says that finally he's in the pig pen. Nobody's giving him anything. He has all this need. He feels empty. Nobody's giving him anything because of his own actions. He's fallen on his face. And look at what it says. It says that when he came to his senses, he said, uh, it was the verse before this, but this fine. We'll stay here. How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? Here I am starving to death. Watch what he does. I will set out and go back to my father. He has this moment, this, this reroute. He says he comes to his senses. And what God does to you many times is that you'll feel this sick feeling. You'll feel this tug in your heart. You'll feel something saying, sometimes it's a text from a friend. Sometimes it's a parent. That's the hardest time to hear it. But you feel this thing, don't do it. Don't do it. It said he came to his senses, but he actually responded. He said, okay, 
how he remembered for a moment what it was like to live in his relationship with God. He had everything. I said, I know what, I'll go back to my father. And we know the rest of the story. Like when he goes back to his father, he gets a brand new robe. So we ain't got pig pen crap anymore on him. He has a brand new robe, which represents righteousness, which represents right standing with God. So he don't have to live in shame anymore. He has a new name. His name is Son. He gets a ring on his finger, which designates the authority. So now him and God are partners. They're equal in this whole thing. He actually gets sandals on his feet, which represents status as a son. But that's, that's, we'll talk about that another week. But he recognized the reroute. And he got everything that he had and more. But the question is, why don't we run back? Why is it that many of you, honestly, silently right now, you're still running? Why is it that I've spent my entire life running away from the thing that I've experienced saved me? Why is it that many times our prodigal story isn't one big story, it's week in, week out? We come to church, we get so hyped up, it's all I'm gonna live for you, and then Thursday hits, and all those other things we get used to live for start calling our name, and we feel that, nah, man. But because you don't have any friends around, you go in the right direction, you choose to Go their direction instead of actually standing firm in what you experienced. Why is it that we don't run back? Why don't we repent? You mean to be my honest opinion why I think that is? We do not know our worth. We don't know who we are. I want to submit to you that the reason, and I want you guys to test me this in cruise, the reason that you do not run back to your father is because you actually don't know who you are. You do not know your worth. Because if you did, this stuff that you're doing, it would actually kill you. It would sicken you. Because our problem, the son's problem, my problem, my whole life, is that we think that our worth is determined by our behavior. When in reality, your worth is not determined by your behavior. Your worth is determined by birth. Please hear me. Your behavior, to everybody else, your reputation will always be the sin that you won't repent from. Like, to everybody, to the people in this room, to your parents, sometimes to your pastors if they're not thinking right, to everybody in your life, your reputation will become the sin you will not repent from. But to God, your worth is always the status that you had when you were born. Not physically born. The Bible says that when you put your faith in Jesus, you are born again. You become a child of God. And in that moment, you receive the status of a son or daughter to God. That means he no longer sees you for the sin you do. He sees you for the victory that his son won. That means that there is nothing you can do to make God love you any more or any less. So with all that being true, with the fact that there's nothing we can do to change how God sees us, which means that there is nothing, guys, hear me, in your life that you can do that will not leave God's hand still open to you. Everything he has is yours. With all that being true, why don't we run back? It's because we still believe the same exact lie that he did. Watch what he, what he said. Can you put that one verse up there? It says this. It says that when he came to his senses... He said, this is crazy. I want you to focus on the two words that are a color that <laughs> I can't see. Colorblind. When he came to his senses, the reroute, he said, oh, I know what I'll do. How many of my uh, father's hired servants? Dude, I remember church service camp. It was awesome. I know what I'll do. I'm going to go back. He says this. I will set out and go back. But I'm going to say this. Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer, watch this, worthy to be called your son. I'll settle to be a servant. Do you guys remember what he did at the beginning of the story? As a son, he had all the courage in the world to go to his dad and say, Dad, give me everything you have. Only a son can do that. Only a son who knows exactly who he is can ask for everything the father has. And in this moment, he says, I'm not even worthy to be that. I wasted what you gave me. I'll just settle for less than life than the best life that you have. See, there's something about sin that separates you from God. It doesn't separate God from you. It separates you from God. And I can always tell, I'm going to be honest with y'all, like, 
you can't hide this, bro. Like, whenever you come up to meet one of our leaders and you don't look us in the eye, you just look down, you know what that tells us? You're living in shame. You're scared. Because if somebody finds out, they're going to see you for the way that you see you. That's not how it works. Your worth is not determined by your behavior. Because Jesus, when he died, he died for every sin you would commit. Jesus' death is in your past. So Jesus' past, his death, he's now resurrected, sets you free from every decision. Your worth is established by birth. And that's why something about sin, something about falling into this thing, it changes how you see yourself. And that's why we won't run back. So if you can begin to understand that your value, your worth is determined by what God says, it'll change everything. But how many of you know environment is everything? How many of you know if you go to school after somebody exposes you on Snapchat, what are people thinking when they look at you? Oh, shoot, they're the one who freaking exposed you. What do you think they think about you? What do you do when you get a background in your report card and you go home? What are your parents thinking? Not all parents. We have a lot of good parents. But what happens? You get punished. Like, like if you don't perform on the football field, what happens? You get benched. The entire world is built by culture and the things controlling it to look at you based on your performance and what you do. The kingdom of God, your father, his value never changes for you. It's established in the fact that you said yes to him and he said yes to you. But it's all about being in the father's house, being in an environment where people can remind you and God can remind you because your value is determined on who you are around. And when you're around your father and you begin to see how much he loves you and how much he values you, you will never want to settle for anything less because you have his best. I heard a story one time and they're about to cut on, you know, spiritual music and we're about to go to cruise and all, it's about to end, whatever. But I heard this very true story. It was about a father. He, he had a, a daughter who just graduated and when she was 16, two years ago, he had bought this car that he wanted to give to her, right? And uh, she finally graduated and he gave her the car. Uh, he said, I want you to go sell this car and you can have whatever money you get from it, right? She's super excited. He says, all right, I want you to go to this used car dealer down the road and see what they'll give you. So she goes down to, I'm not gonna name. I have a board member at one car lot and a father-in-law at another car lot. Let's just say he goes down to a, a used car dealer and, and she goes in and she gets all excited. She said, dad, they offered me $10,000 for this car. But he said, they would have offered me more, but it was just kind of old and it wasn't really in any good condition. He goes, okay, I want you to take it to the pawn shop, Mega Pond, down the road and see what they'll give you. So she takes the car that was worth $10,000. She goes to the pawn shop and they said, this car actually is going to take a whole lot of work. It's in really bad condition. We'll give you $1,000. She's kind of blown, man. Like, dad, why'd you see me? I could have had 10 G's. I'm sitting on one. Guh. You know what I'm saying? It ain't even a full G. It's a guh. I just made that up. So stupid. He's like, now what I want you to do, I want you to take that car that I saved for you, and I want you to take it to that passionate car club down the road. All those cars that you always look at when you drive by, I want you to take it down there and sell it to them. Watch what they give you. She goes to the, the passionate car club. I can't remember the name. And their eyes turn the moment she rolled on the lot. And, and, and she says, here, you know, what can you give me for this car? She don't know anything about cars. Apparently nobody else did either. Just, ma'am, do you know what car you're driving? This is one of the most rare cars out there. It's in prime condition. Would you let us sit, buy this car from you for $100,000? Sir, I cannot spell $100,000. Not $10,000, not $1,000, $100,000, because it was so rare Nobody else even knew how to put a value on it. This is what the father said. 
And I can hear God the Father saying this to every single girl in this room that sells herself short, who runs after a boy when she has a man running toward her. Every single guy in this room who is so adamant about getting the fulfillment he thinks he can have within his own bedroom, and he has no idea the pleasure and the fulfillment of life serving God. This is what the Father says to her, and this is what I feel he's saying to every single one of us. He was teaching the daughter a lesson. He said, then the Father said to her, daughter, I wanted to let you know that you're not worth anything if you're not in the right place. If you're not appreciated, don't be angry. That just means you're in the wrong place. Don't stay in a place where nobody sees or can understand your value. Go, take what you're worth. Outside of the Father's house, you're nothing. Outside of the relationship with Jesus, you are nothing. And many of you have experienced the end of what your way of life can get you. But God loves you so much that even when you constantly spit in his face, when you constantly go back, he's still running towards you. He still wants to give you everything that he sent his son to die and then resurrect to give you. Your worth and your value, it doesn't matter how you feel, it doesn't matter what they say. You have a God who sent his son to save every part of you. Your worth is not determined by your behavior. Are you going to mess up? Yes. Are you going to jack up tomorrow? Probably. This is the human condition in a world broken by sin. You've been broken ever since you were born. But there's a second birth. John talks about in his, uh, when Jesus, he said, man, when you give your life to Jesus, you are born again. You're a new creation. You are now a child of God. And if you're a follower of Jesus in this room, you need to understand that your worth is no longer whatever everybody else sees when they look at you. It's only what you see, what you hear from this word. And that is not the word, that's my nose. But if you can get in his presence, and this is not just the church, and I'm over, but if you can walk every day with an awareness of how God sees you, not how man sees you, not how that little boy you're chasing after sees you, not how that little girl that you've so abused so many times that all of your guys know about her and now you're trying to get... If you could just see how much he saw, sees in you, you'd be disgusted with the way that we live. It's not always your fault. This is the, the way of life that culture gives you. We're going to go all in on this at the weekend of February. But you need to be in an environment where you can be told who you are. You can be seen through the eyes of your father. And this is why you should never run. But even when you do, the moment that you respond to the reroute and you change direction, You'll never find perfection, but you will find a father who's ready to give you the hug that you need to give you the life that you can never find on your own. So God, I pray for every single person in this room right now, and I pray, God, that you would reveal to them who they are. God, I pray for every single person listening to the sound of my voice, God, that you would speak to them right now of how much you love them. Show them, God, how you see them. God, I pray that their worth will no longer be anything other than what you say. God, every word that's ever been spoken over them, words like man whore, slut, easy, all these things, pothead, alcoholic, addict, all these words that are so contrary to yours, God, I pray that those labels would fall off of them and they would see for the first time, God, what you see, your son or your daughter. In Jesus' name. You guys real quick, just staying in this moment, uh, real quick.